This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. From the most exotic locations on Earth, Moonraker will transport you to another world. Holly was a warm girl with the right connections. This possibly be the moment for us to pool our resources. We would be better off working together. More excitement, more thrills, more spills. And guess who's dropped in for a bite? Jaws is back. James Bond and the treacherous Dr. Goodhead. Despite your efforts, my finely wrought dream approaches its fulfillment. Hello and welcome to Smirsh Pod Royale, a podcast celebrating all the Bond films by those who enjoy, hate, or, you know, just aren't asked about them. Hosted by me, John Rain. This week we'll be going to space with the tedious inevitability of an unloved season while trying to stop a deadly virus being released on the planet. I can already tell you we've miserably failed with that bit. Uh, but joining me to press you to a cucumber sandwich is comedian, writer, actor and synthesizer expert Sanjeev Kohli. Hello. Hello, and I'm glad you mentioned the synthesizer thing because I, um, because I've done a few sort of um, like Zoom meetings and stuff, and mm. I had it in my head this was going to be a visual thing. So I thought I should maybe wear something Bond themed, and I realised well, apart from an actual dinner suit and scuba diving gear, I don't really have anything Bond themed. <laughs> and I subconsciously have put on you can't see it a red stripy T-shirt. I look a little bit like I might be in View to a Kill. <laughs> Uh, as a, so, you know, it, probably in the Jan Jan video rather than the actual film. Yeah, sure. But, but the synthesizer connection is that uh, my cousin, stay with me, mm-hmm. was in uh, Scotland's only and therefore best uh, Bhangra band called uh, Bombay Talkie. Oh. And the one non-Indian tune they played was View to a Kill. Wow. So, so um, and I and I, I guest keyboarded for them uh, because the, this is true, the keyboard player was getting married. <laughs> so um, I had played View to a Kill on a keyboard. That's fantastic. Um, in 1986 or something. So there you are. It's all linked. It's all linked. It's all many circles converging. Hence how you became Synthesizer Patel, of course. Of course. Although it's, um, I don't know, when, when, when Peter Serafinovitz and Robert Popper were casting for that, they couldn't have known that I was a really, really bad keyboard player and that I had taught myself how to play Axel F. Like <laughs> I, I was, you know, like Ross in, from Friends. Yeah. That bit where he's playing Axel F on a keyboard, that was actually me. And I looked... I look a bit like David Schwimmer anyway. So um, uh, that was me. But they, I can't imagine they had any way of knowing that unless they were at the keyboard player from Bombay Talkie's wedding and they saw my skills. But I, no, I, I think that was a coincidence, actually, that, um, that, they, that, they, that I had keyboard skills. I, I say skills. I mean, that's skills with a Z, which aren't real skills. Oh, I, mean, I can oh, just about play in the key of C and that's natch. it. Yeah. Well, you know, there is no, no such thing as coincidence, I think. Yes, the Terminator films have taught me that. Ha! Huh. And oh, and you know, well, that's my that's my um, email address uh, features the word Terminator in it. Oh, of course it does. Yeah, yeah, but that's nothing to do with the Terminator films. That is actually when I was picking my um, email address, and this is back in when I had a tiny world hmm. address. Um, 
there was all the Sanjeev. I thought I thought I might be one of maybe two or three Sanjeev Kohli's in the world. There's a there's a diaspora of Sanjeev <laughs> Kohli's. Um, so I ended up one of my favorite bands is Public Enemy. So rather than Terminator X, it's Terminator Sanj. But everyone thinks that it's the the Arnie franchise that I'm channeling, which is fine. You know, you know, Terminator T2 is a fantastic film, as is the first one. I've not even seen the third one, actually, but um, I'm happy to go with that. Yeah, I think it makes sense. Yes. Um, So Moonraker. Yeah. You chose this. I did. Yeah. Is it a particular film of yours that you enjoy? Yeah, yeah. I think um, 79 it was made. So Mm. I I was born in 70. So Mm. I was trying to work out which was the first Bond film I went to see in the cinema Mm. because... Back in the back in the days, and my kids don't believe me when I tell them this, but back in the days, it was an actual event to go to the cinema. It only really happened, maybe two or three times a year. Yeah, and it was a proper event, and it was always a proper event film. Mm. And it, well, you know, there weren't that many. You know, you, you can go to see how many Avengers films now, how many Ant Man films. It wasn't like that back in the day. Bond and Star Wars were maybe the only two that um, were franchises in any way. And you know you you had to go and see Bond at the cinema, otherwise you had to wait till Boxing Day five years later to see a Bond film. Yeah. So it, it meant a lot. Now I can't remember if, if it was Moonraker or it might have been The Spy Who Loved Me or it might have been Fury Eyes Only because they were all kind of between what seventy seven and eighty two, weren't they? Yeah. But I do remember I'm the youngest of three brothers, hmm. so me, Hardeep, and Randy, we went, and, uh, and Randy could only have been maybe fourteen or fifteen at the time. Uh, we went to the cinema and we queued up and we were the last three to get in, but there's only two seats. So I had to sit in my brother's lap and watch one of the Bond films. Nice. Um, so uh, I I don't think it was Moonraker. I, I'm actually trying to work out if I saw Moon, Moonraker in the cinema at all or whether it's just the one that I associated with being that age. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but certainly one of the Bond films, I sat on my brother's lap and watched it. Uh, and it was the Bond films were proper event films. I mean, that was the whole point of them. You know, they were proper escapism. And of course, at that age, you don't see all the the bad things. You don't see the rampant sexism and the less than casual racism. It was, yeah, um, I'd say it was that's a, the casuals' fair. Yeah, yes, I think so. I think so. Although, to be fair, he was wearing a tie. You know, I've always said if you're going to call me Packy, wear a tie. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't like casual racism. Formal racism, please. Um, so, uh, but Moonraker, I remember, uh, leaving an impression on me for a few reasons, actually. Yeah. Well, should we get into it? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. I mean, the first thing that leaves an impression on you is that Bond strides across the gun barrel wearing a big pair of flares. Yes. And this was 79. Yeah. So it's like, I've always said this, that if you look at news footage, um, see from, see, you look at news footage from 1971, right? Mm Mm-hmm. People are actually dressed like it's 1967. The decades are false indicators. They're, they're false boundaries. Yes. So people in 79, they, they, they were dressing like it was five years previous. And I guess, I mean, how old was Roger Moore when he did it? Would he have been in his 40s by this point? He's or maybe 50. not quite? At this, he's 50 by Moonraker. Yeah. Right. So obviously they have to, they, they want to make him not trendy, but kind of uh, Blue Harbor, mm-hmm. kind of M&S trendy. Mm-hmm. So I guess... Flares were probably a good fit, you know, no pun intended, yeah. uh, for him at that time. But you would look at that and think, that's not 1979. Rick Mayle would have put his fit, foot through the television, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah. If you'd, if you'd have seen that particular scenario. Also, flares are traditionally a sign of distress. Of distress, of yeah. course. That's yeah. right. That's right. You have to launch them, don't you? You do. <laughs> um, but um, it, it'd be fine him wearing flares in this. However, it, by the time he gets to View to a Kill, they've still got him in his flares. It's ridiculous. And View to a Kill, he does look like mutton, doesn't he? Dressed he as really lamb. Does. He is shoehorned into. Yeah. Is it a jumpsuit he's wearing or something Shoe-leathered. like that? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> look good. It's not good. Um, but this starts with the eponymous Moonraker shuttle, yes. which is on loan from NASA, it turns out. Uh, piggybacking a jumbo jet. Bizarre. It is bizarre. And that these baddies break out and they start up the boosters and fire it off and explode an airplane. Which is a plot line which was only slightly borrowed by Despicable Me. That's true. Not that long ago, yeah. 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 Unfortunately, Drax doesn't steal the moon. No, no, but you could tell he had plans to. You could no. tell. He was that ambitious. He was going to colonise the moon with sex people as well. That, of course he was, with genetically perfect sex people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Bond, meanwhile... Is on an airplane smooching with a pretty lady. Yes. Which is what he does. Yeah. And again, as a nine-year-old, 
<laughs> I mean, I, it's funny because my, my youngest, uh, my son Vinny, he's actually 13 now, but he still has to look away or put his head in the cushion when there's any kind of romance going on. Mm. And uh, that, you know, you, you know, it's funny now when you watch, you know, she, he's attempting re-entry, sir, but I couldn't watch them. I couldn't watch any of those scenes. I had to, and of course, I might be sitting on my brother's lap, so I'd be very confused. I'd be, <laughs> Beyond Oedipal, <laughs> watching sex scenes sitting on my brother's lap. I thought, what is, what is going on here? Am I being groomed? I don't. I, by my brother? I is mean, this happening? That might lead on to later problems. Like you can only yes. get aroused if you sit on a man's lap. <laughs> <laughs> it could happen. Um, but yeah, so Roger's going full tongue snog in this as well. Yeah, yeah. You don't often see Rog going full tongues. No, and this was... Now, was this third in his... Rain. No, this is fourth. This is fourth. So yeah. the first was Live and Let Die. Live and Let Die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then Golden Gun, Spy, yeah. Love Me. Then this. Yes. Yeah. So he's in his stride with his big flares, mm. snogging a lady. But then the pilot comes out, and he look, Tyler looks a bit like Dave Lee Travis, <laughs> and basically shoots all the controls, and then says, "You're going to die now," and then jumps out. And but this is where they have this amazing stunt because, as it turns out, Jaws is on board as well for some fucking reason, <laughs> and pushes him out. And they have this amazing, yes, mid-air parachute scene. A lot of heads getting shoved into crotches. Yes, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, was that meant to be homoerotic or just clumsy? I don't know. It depends whose lap you're sitting on. I think <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I'd somehow managed to just take all the sexual content in my head. I'd got a big mass of syringe, and I just completely deflated any sexuality from the situation so it could have been that maybe jaws was trying to maybe meet meet the moves on bond i think you know they have a grudging respect by the end of this film they have a grudging respect for each other so maybe there was a sexual element i don't know i think they were he was still a good looking man you know despite being slightly shoehorned into flares he was still an attractive proposition i think he looks bloody great for 50 no no, he does he does and oh he's a very handsome man and um Recently, my my good friend Renzo is a massive fan of the Persuaders, hmm. and um, I did this thing where I can't remember what the app is, but you can get like it was his birthday recently, and you can uh, send pic- you can get a picture put on a postcard, you know, for a card sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I dug out an old uh, picture of the Persuaders, and I managed to uh, sort of uh, Photoshop my Renzo's head onto Roger Moore's. I thought I don't want to do that because he's too beautiful. <laughs> he's a beautiful, beautiful man, and and then the other thing as well is is that. When you watch this ongoing debate about who's the best Bond, I personally think they've all got their moments. Um, but I think I've warmed much more to Roger Moore having heard him being interviewed mm. and having heard how self-deprecating he is because, to me, the best quality any human can have is self-awareness. And yeah. my God, he had it in buckets, didn't he? He did. He knew what he was and he knew what they needed. And, yeah, occasionally it went a bit over the top. Um, uh, but... Uh, you know the, the double takes and the, you know he, he had them he had them down pat and it's it, it's quite refreshing to see someone so physically attractive being able to do comedy as well. Yeah, I always find that quite kind of like uh, well annoying apart from anything else. Yeah, he could, he could probably sing as well. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I've warmed a lot more recently. I think to Roger Moore, despite the fact that he was, you know, my bond in a lot of ways because these are my formative years. Have you ever seen him doing Clues though? Oh God, no, I haven't. Oh no. God, uh, is it not? No, it's uh, the mm. Curse of the Pink Panther. Um, yes, which obviously Sellers was long dead. Yeah. So they had the the plot that he had plastic surgery at the end. They find him and it's Roger Moore. Oh, really? Um, but he is doing a Cluzo impression and it's oh, it's really uncomfortable to watch. Oh, no, is it? Is it? He's falling over and saying "bim" and all this sort of stuff. Oh and no! Just like oh, Rog, don't. Because even if Steve Martin can't do it, then no one can do it. Exactly. And no one should try. I think yeah. Sellers took it with him to his grave. Yes. And even he couldn't do it at the end, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you look where he started and where he ended with that role. Yeah, that's it's true. a bit weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Jaws fails trying to kill Bond and lands into a circus. Yes. And we get a close-up <laughs> of his groin for some reason. Again, more homoerotic. Uh, and then we get the song. What did you, what did you think of the song? Uh, oh, no, hold on. Because I tried to get hold of it. It'd been a while since I'd seen it. Hmm. And I thought... Out of you know, Amazon, Sky, mm-hmm. um, uh, what do you call it, uh, um, Netflix. I thought that Moonraker must be on there somewhere. Couldn't no. bloody get it. No. So um, and I ordered the DVD and it didn't get to me in time. What's the song again? It's Shirley Bassey singing Moonraker. 
Right, right. Thank you, because <laughs> I, that, that's not, clearly not made an impact. So, what she just done? Goldfinger and just Moonraker. She is that what she's gold, done? She did Goldfinger, then she did Diamonds of Forever and Moonraker. A lot of people think this is fairly a bland. Yeah. By the numbers offering, I quite like it, but yeah, yeah. I mean, people often don't watch the songs anyway because of the titles. Lots of but, but if, if Shirley Bassey can't make an impact, yeah, it can't have been brilliant, you know. Well, to be fair, they pick it up at the end when they do the um, Studio Fifty Four disco version over the end credits. <laughs> so remind me, uh, well, so remind me because I've clearly hmm. forgotten hmm. the lyrics. Because obviously, with Goldfinger, you can talk about a human that you know has got the Midas touch, the Midas sure. touch. Is this about space travel? No, no, it's about the chorus is like the moonraker goes in search of the some dreams of old. I'll wait for you. It's okay. pretty wishy washy. Ah, uh, fair enough. So they've okay. That, 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 to be fair, because the, the moon obviously is is a big old symbol, and you know, hmm. I, my kids still say I, I love you to the moon and back, oh. and I have to stress to them: Do you mean displacement, or because <laughs> are you saying that? You love me zero or you love me twice? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Is it distance or displacement? Please, I need to be clear here. Right. It's good that you're specific, though. Oh, no, you have to be because yeah. you don't want to be down by faint praise, do you? Not by your children. Because you might get on your deathbed one day and then they say, by the way, when we were saying that, <laughs> yes. we yeah. meant we don't like you at all. Yeah, and when we said we love you to the moon and back squared, we were really pissing, really <laughs> messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but isn't the Moonraker, isn't it, supposed to be? Someone who's a kind of time waster or a, never or a dreamer. The, I thought no. I thought Moonraker was a coinage. Really? So because um, it's got a nice, you know, gold finger Moonraker. It's got that nice rhythm to it. Yeah. Um, and um, which made me want them to do do a mashup called Moonfinger. Yeah, sure. Which I think would be quite good fun. It would but be um, fun. I, I didn't know Moonraker was 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 a word. I mean, in in Glasgow, in Scotland, there's the expression uh, midgey raker, which is basically someone that goes through your bins. <laughs> and the thing is, obviously. We tend to see the glamorous stuff that the international spy that is James Bond does, but there must be an element of going through bins. Must, must be. be must, must be a massive be. element of that. We don't see that, though, do we? Maybe that's where Drax started. I think it might be. So it's, it's actually Midgeraker. That's that's right. That's the, the inspiration for Moonraker. Fleming misheard it. <laughs> I'd like to know, just going back a moment, how would someone with a moon finger work? Would they have a finger that's perfectly round? I think they've got a finger that can summon the moon. Right. So there's quite an intense laser mm-hmm. that if you were to point it to the sky, you could actually summon the moon. Now, obviously that can affect tides, so you could do some damage, couldn't you? Oh, yeah. If you had a, if you had a moon finger, if you could summon the moon at will, you could probably, say, for example, flood San Francisco. Sure. If you wanted to. So it's quite a, quite a burden of a power to have a moon finger. Or East Anglia. Or East, or East Anglia. Yeah. What, was, what was the old Bill Hicks line? We, we, we should just flood LA and call it Arizona Bay. Yeah. So we just flood East Anglia and, well, who would miss it? I think people who live there, but yeah, I, I'm with you on it. No, they'd be dead. They would, you know. The, the, okay, right. For, for, for the mustard industry might be hit quite severely, but beyond that, no. There's a couple of racetracks. No, I'm, not, I'm being unfair to the people of East Anglia. It's a beautiful part of the world, and I've enjoyed many a barge trip there. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, <laughs> so Bond... After the titles, he's in M's office, um, and they're all worried because the Moonraker shuttle that was on loan, uh, the story is that it exploded. Yes. But they've looked through the footage, which Q has handily marked as um, most secret, <laughs> which I'd like to know, is that is that below top or above top? <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, I suppose most, you can't get more than most, can you? Well, top, so, you can't get more than top. Well, you can. No, can you? You're right. No, you can't. You can't. Can I suppose you? you can put things on top of top. Put that. Put put that chest on top of the wardrobe. Yeah. And put the best chest. No. Mm. I mean, it's constantly top, isn't it? I think ultimate secret might be, but then that just sounds like an aftershave. <laughs> um, I think. I think most secret. Oh God, that's a tricky one. Yeah. They need to formalise that protocol. They do. We'd yeah. need like one of those colour charts, like we're getting with the virus. <laughs> yeah. Because... Most you get. That's that's a proper conundrum you've thrown in. I know. Yeah. It's been bothering me for years. <laughs> it really has. But there's no footage of the shuttle that's been recovered at all. Right. So they think they think this is a bit of a cover up. There's something going on here. It might be insurance, but probably not. Yes. Um, maybe the shuttle has gone to Cuba, like John Darwin, the canoe. I would do But the thing is, do you, do you think Bond was sent to, um, uh, you know, like a loss adjuster? He was sent to actually 
investigate insurance fraud like he would go to like the burning embers of a cash and carry do you think that was part of Bond's remit? Definitely. I think he'd be really pissed off if it was insurance fraud. Come on. How, how, the, how am I supposed to pump a lady with a sexually <laughs> suggestive surname if it's insurance fraud? Could pump a lady in a cash and carry. Uh, it's not very Bond, though, is it? You know, it's, and you'd probably just call Janice, you know? Could do puns <laughs> about wholesale. <laughs> yeah, wholesale. Yes. Whole, whole, oh, yeah. yes, wholesale, yes. Yeah. She could be, yeah. A Janice lady of the night. Sale. Sells her whole, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh no, actually yes. And it works. I'm, just, I'm thinking, that, I'm thinking of the Shirley Bassey song now. <laughs> uh, oh no, I can't. It's not coming to me. It will come though. I'll, I'll work on it. But you know, feel free to use that in your sitcom. Yes, no, it's got, it's going straight in. Yeah, good stuff. I'd like to yeah. have a credit though. Thanks very much. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, great. Um, so Bond is told he's going to need to go to California and visit Drax. He's in his uh, place of work. Because uh, they manufacture the shuttle. Yes. Uh, so he gets his gadgets. He gets a, a wrist gun that can fire darts, which makes for a very exciting sequence. Um, so he goes to California and he's picked up by a sexy lady in a helicopter. Yes. I think I think we all want that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Has it ever happened to you? Uh, no. You're quite um, a glamorous person. That must have happened. No. To you. Well, you say that. You say that. Uh, I've never. I'm not. I'm not great with heights. Really. I mean, if, if 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 it ever. See, for example, that um, I did get nominated for an Oscar and I happened to be holidaying in East Anglia at the sure. time and they said the only way we could get you to uh, the awards is by helicopter. I might have to say no. So not, I went on a helicopter ride once. We were on a family holiday in Malaysia and I utterly shat myself. <laughs> so, I, you know, I wouldn't be any good as a... Uh, generally speaking, uh, I, I come from a Sikh family anyway and we, uh-huh. we can't be superheroes because... We can never claim that danger is our middle name because Sikh is it Singh is our middle name. We're given it at birth, so we can't possibly be superheroes anyway. And also, we're not brilliant with the outdoors. You know, we like casinos and yeah, flat screen tellies, but we're no good. I couldn't do that thing of of uh, going in the water in a dinner suit and a scoop, you know, and come out emerge. Or I'd be, I'd be, I'd, I'd have a salmon in my mouth. I'd be, right. I'd be ill with it. So no, I, I, I've never been picked up. By in a helicopter at all, or especially by a pretty lady. Right. I wouldn't expect it to be a pretty lady. I expect it to be quite a cynical guy that um, does the traffic. You know, because always yeah. the the guys that do the the eye in the sky for the traffic. It'll be some cynical asshole who's really really bored. And then also he's prematurely aged. He's been in altitude. Of he's just not happy with life. Yeah. So um, and he, you'll, you'll be getting you know and, and probably is because he spent so much time in the air. His his wife has left him and he's really 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 cynical he doesn't see the kids that that in my mind is what a helicopter uh, driver i'm saying driver now like i know that that's the term i like driver the helicopter driver mm-hmm. would not be a a, a, a a lovely sexy young lady it just wouldn't happen in reality but then that's why we watch bond we don't want to, we don't want to see the helicopter driver that we know we want to see the idealized one but can i put a scenario by you yes if you were picked up by a cynical helicopter driver yes let's say he's middle-aged Mm-hmm. And he's flying you to the Oscars. Yeah. What would you do if he made a pass at you? Oh, now, would that mean getting to the Oscars or not? It would um, mean it's the only way you're going to get to the Oscars. Otherwise, he's dropping you in a lay-by. Okay. Well, do you know, I, I have been nominated for precious few awards. Right. And they, <laughs> Precious few. But they sometimes say that they know who the winner is, but they're inviting you as a nominee. Mm-hmm. And the way to find out if you're a winner is to say you're not going. And right. then they say, you really should come to these awards. If, so, I, if I'd been given, if I'd been given, t- been tipped the wink that I was getting an Oscar, <laughs> mm-hmm. then I probably would fillet a really cynical, <laughs> prematurely aged uh, helicopter driver. And if I thought as well that it would make him a bit happy, um, then, you know, I'm, I'm be, you know, we're both winners, aren't we? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He might say, you love me, you really love me. You, yes. Like uh, Sally now, Field. Now, now, now suck me over, suck me off over the Easter Islands. <laughs> um, so is that how it works with awards then? So if you say yeah. oh, I don't want to come, and they say, "All right, no worries," you know I, you I say, won. Do you know what I'm saying this like I'm a rewards veteran? Someone, someone told me that's a trick you can use, and I, I never had the opportunity to use oh. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's kind of um, how it works. They really want the winner to be there. So if you said, oh, I'm sorry, I can't make it, and they just go, fair enough, and you think, oh, yeah, yeah, I wasn't yeah, going to win yeah. anyway. Yeah. 
I mean, this actually happened at the um, uh, the first series of Fags Mags and Bags, my Radio 4 series, yes. got nominated for a Sony, which, as it was then, it's not called that anymore, is it? And um, we were now, really a Ginster's Pasties Award now. The Ginster's Pasties Award, yeah. which is infinitely better and more suitable. Yeah. And um, so we got nominated, and I was really, really pleased because it was our first series mm. in, in really good company, and there were five uh, comedies were nominated. And the Sonys at that time had a gold, silver, and bronze system. That's right, I remember that, yeah. Uh, and we won none of those things. Oh. So we were there as the 40% losers. And you filleted the Addison Lee driver as well. I did. And no reason. Really, and it didn't make him any less cynical. So there were no winners in that scenario. In fact, he was quite disappointed by <laughs> my technique and the fact that I couldn't take my teeth out. And you didn't even drive past Easter Island, did and you? And I didn't even drive, no, no, no. It was River Island. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, this is disturbingly close to the truth. Yeah. It was oh, actually dear. a next. It was Burton's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, um, so Bond meets the Hugo Drax, Michael Lonsdale. Yes. Brilliant. One of my favourite Bond buddies. He looks like Dracula's accountant. He does, doesn't he? I love he's him. He's fantastic, isn't mm. he? He's, he? He downplays it really well, I think. He's a bit like you as Synthesizer Patel, actually, because when we first see him, he's playing the piano, but not actually miming very well. Is he not? What, Although no, you he, did mime well, to be fair. I did mime very well. Yeah. And there's no miming going on, by the way. No. Well, the I, water I made one. All, made all my own samples uh-huh. and uh, yeah, played Autobahn start to finish. Um, what was he? What's he playing? Is it like some Rachmaninoff or something? Yeah, like? it's a piano piece. I'm not sure, but you can see if you look at his hands, they're like going, they're doing that thing that people do when they're driving, where you just go, yes. goes, I'll go left and right. It'll be all right. Yeah, it's a bit like Eddie Van Halen in the jump video, except Eddie Van Halen does play the synthesizer solo on, on the jump video because it's not very good. Yeah, but I wonder if actually it is the solo from Jump that Drax is playing. I think it is actually five it, years before it was made. At yeah. one point, as Bond goes to sit down, um, Dave Lee Roth. Jumps over the top <laughs> and does the splits. Does the splits. Yeah. A full six feet of a... So we've already invoked Dave Lee Travis and Dave Lee Roth, I notice. I, imagine, I can't imagine any other show has ever done that. And I'm, I'm scrabbling now to think, are there any other Dave Lees out there? Uh, there must be. There must be. We've done, we've spunked all our Dave Lees and it's not even, well, half an hour in. I know. So I'm really sorry. I should have saved the other Dave I should Lee. have saved it. The Addison Lee driver that I actually filleted was called Dave Lee McCorkendale. Does that help? Was he related to Simon McCorkendale? He was, actually. Wow, so he was half-manimal. Half-manimal. He turned into an ape halfway through. (laughs) He did, he did. Actually, just on the point of climax, he kind of went, (laughs) and he went back to being human. Do you remember Manimal turned into a snake once? See, I think, now, I'm, I'm 50 this year. Uh-huh. I think Manimal was one of those things that I've heard talked about but never saw. Like Animal Farm? Like Animal Farm, yes, exactly. <laughs> now, did Manimal wear... Manimal a, Farm! Even Manimal Farm. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a classic mashup. Did he wear, like, a safari suit? No, that's Dactari, I'm thinking. That's Dactari. Now, no, Manimal would often be, like, in a tuxedo or anything like that. He was very... It was Simon McCorkendale. It was Simon McCorkendale, but it was... Yes. Yeah, and he'd, and he'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm trapped in this building. I could turn into a hawk and fly out of the window. Yes. Oh. No, I, or a See, I quite like that um, uh, conceit because my... Issue. I mean, I, I have enjoyed all the Avengers films because I think that they've got the, the humour's right and you do actually bizarrely kind of empathise with a lot of the superheroes in it. But my issue with those films is is that they suddenly discover a power. Yeah. Or they have a power, they think, well, you could have done that 20 minutes ago and see if there's a lot of bother. Whereas I think with Manimal, mm. if he's limited by, okay, I'm in a situation, what's the best animal to turn into? There's yeah. an element of thought, there's an element of choice, mm-hmm. but you are still limited. Yeah, so that's that's got to be worth a, a reboot, doesn't it? Oh, definitely. Yeah. The only thing that people didn't like about animals at the end of every episode, he fellates his driver. <laughs> it, was, it was his brother. It was his brother. It's the same brother that he sat, on whose lap he sat to watch Moonraker. <laughs> it's all coming together. Well, not like that. <laughs> I think they probably do. I think if you live in the same house as someone, you do tend to. <laughs> Sympathetically ejaculate at the same time. Is that yeah. like when women live together after a while and their exactly. cycles align? Right. Exactly. Honestly, I lived with two brothers. Honestly, it was like every second Tuesday, wallpaper based everywhere. It was at the same time. It was, it was like coordinated volcanic eruptions. It was no fun for my mum. I can tell you that right now. And it all got sent to Solvite. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and, and it was actually remember the advert. Yeah. 
The man stuck the, on the wall. Would that happen now? Oh, the, the guy stuck on the board that went up in yes, the, helicopter, the helicopter, which was driven by a jaded middle-aged <laughs> man who was being flated at the time. By a potential Oscar winner. By a potential Oscar winner who'd just been holidaying in East Anglia. It was Faye Dunaway. <laughs> I'm Tilly Steele. And I'm Helen Monk. And this is Bitchin'. I'm dyslexic. Yeah, why do you read the Wikipedia page? <laughs> it's good to practice. Yeah. A podcast where every week we talk about a different person. So how old was he when he first popped on the scene? That's a great If question. you say he was my age, I'm gonna <laughs> fucking die. And we veer wildly off track. Pop that Prosec. <laughs> Available on all your podcast apps. That's not right. Can you not say er in the advert? (laughs) Available on all your podcast platforms. Just search Bitchin' or Great Big Owl. We'll see you there. That was all right. (laughs) Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Uh, I can't even remember having got onto this. Oh, oh right, um, so yeah, Drax playing the piano. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you'd think if you could, you know, you think if you were that bad at the piano, you'd like invent something. Yes. If you're making shuttles. Yeah, damn straight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, a, a robot Clayderman sort of thing. A Clayderman. Robot Clayderman. Yeah. Why wasn't he in Emu? No, why wasn't he? Why wasn't he Emu'd? Yeah. Yes. Well, do you remember uh, Grotbags had Robot Redford? Oh, see, I don't remember that. Uh, maybe no. it was after, after your time, maybe. What was Robot Redford? He was a robot. Just called Redford? Yeah. Okay. I guess a play on the word Robert, Robert Redford. Robert Redford, of course. Yeah. So was he like, just like a robot butler? or yeah, a... He was like a camp robot. Yeah. A camp robot, oh, yeah. I mean, all robots are camp. I mean, they have Indeed. to be. Yeah. It's like all Mancunians. They can't help it. <laughs> They're just a little bit camp. They can't, it's just something about the accent. <laughs> Do you know what I mean by that? Though? They just are a bit camp. It's just not, you can't help it. It's just where they are. I think all robots are. Because C-3PO is a bit camp. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Um, Tweaky from Buck Rogers. Tweaky, biddy, biddy, biddy. yeah. He was a bit camp. Yeah. Not enough. Yeah, manly robots. I think people... Who's... I mean, Robocop's probably the manliest robot, but... Yeah. He's he's also Amish, so... <laughs> yes, He had the true. ultimate... Um, what's the word? Dichotomy. Yes. Which was, in many ways, what compelled was compelling... It was the Amish masculine uh, bifurcation that, that, that kept us watching, I think. I think, I think Amish, after watching Witness. Witness book! Yeah. Now that's that's a bloody good film. We, m- me and my brother went to see Again, me and my brother went to the cinema. Did you sit in each other's uh, lap? No, not this time. It was it was later on. And we had... Do you know what? <laughs> this is this is true. I think it was 85 or 14. Yep, that's right. We'd gone, we'd gone into town to, watch, to actually watch Revenge of the Nerds. Oh. And that- we... That would have been it sexier. It wasn't on. Oh. And we ended up watching Witness. Yeah. So did the, the one thing I remember about Revenge of the Nerds is did it have Herbert Viola from Moonlighting in it? Yes. And did it also have someone from ER in it? Did it have your man? Yes, um, Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards. Thank Goose you. himself. Goose, of course. I, yeah. I should have invoked that rather than ER. Um, yeah. 
And that's all I remember because uh, I didn't get to see it, like I say. And the moonlighting Witness, chapters, I enjoyed, though. Yeah. Moonlighting. Moonlighting. Say moonflating. Moonlighting <laughs> Man is in Range of the Nerds called Booger. Yes. And he I, isn't in Witness. He isn't a different in Witness. Film. He is, he's not in Witness. And a green coincidence, my wife turned 50. I'm actually looking at the five and zero balloons as we speak. My wife turned 54 weeks ago in lockdown, and one of her many presents was the entire Moonlighting box set, which you haven't even cracked open yet. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Revenge of the Nerds box set. No, sadly not. <laughs> anyway, um, yes. so Drax uh, tells yes. Bond it's unfortunate they've lost the shuttle. Uh, he's kind of philosophical about it there, and he goes as far as to quote Oscar Wilde, and then immediately starts talking about the, the building a world master race. So he's kind of like a <laughs> Nazi Giles Brandreth. <laughs> yes, yes. It's kind of, it's a great scene though because he's got those two dogs there and he's yeah gives them the meat and they only eat it when he clicks his fingers. But when he clicks his fingers, the t- uh, the film cranks so they move really fast. Yes, which I enjoyed. They're kind yes. of like Speedy Gonzalez dogs. Do the do the dogs in the Omen do the same thing? I think they might. You know, do they? I think they might. Yeah, Billy Whitelaw's dogs in the Omen. I think. I, I just thought that maybe while. that was just evil dogs had that thing where they could play trick to their mind. Well, move really fast. Move really quickly to the point where they feel almost pixelated. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think Cujo does that. Yes. What now? What's the Oscar Wilde quote? Oh, I don't know. I should I have written it down, is. shouldn't I? Because he's got some brilliant lines in this, hasn't he? Oh, they're fantastic. This is actually written by a guy called Christopher Wood. Yeah. Who wrote um, the Confessions movies and books? Yes. Which is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So he's got the line, for example, "See that some harm comes to him," which mm-hmm. is beautiful. Beautiful. And he delivers it so well. Uh, he says, um, how would have Oscar Wilde put it? To lose one aircraft would be an accident. Yes. To lose two would seem like carelessness. Yes, yes. <clears throat> I don't think Oscar Wilde would have said that. Though. No, no. He'd, he'd be slightly more elegant, possibly. And he wouldn't have known about spacecrafts. Yes. So he's talking shit there. He knows about Lovecraft. Oh. Yeah. Very good. HP oh, Lovecraft. No, no that's, that's a leak. That's a leak. No. Oh. HP Lovecraft, very good. He did all those sources. He did, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, and he never, never fully paid for them. No. He nearly did, but didn't quite. It's three jokes it's... out of his name there. Three. <laughs> it's amazing. This is like walking through your Twitter feed. I, I apologise. I can't help myself. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's better to think these things than say them or tweet them. But I can't help myself. It's just when when I'm when I'm in that kind of tonic place where everything can become a pun. It doesn't mean they have to, you know. No, I could eat. I could eat curry twenty four hours a day, but it doesn't mean I should. Mm, yeah. True. Yeah, same with wanking, isn't it? Exactly. Well, me and my brothers. Yeah. Um. So, uh, <laughs> Drax says to Bond, "Well, I tell you what. Go and see Doctor Goodhead to get a tour yes. of our facilities." Yes. So Bond goes to seek out Doctor Goodhead and is staggered to find <laughs> out that she is a woman. Yes, that's right. Because doctors can't be ladies. Absolutely not. And of course now, what's the name of the actress? Because she was in Dallas? Uh, um, Lois she, Childs. Lois Childs, who I think, was she Bobby's love interest at one point? I in don't know. Dallas? There was something she was in. I remember recognising her. Um, she's very good in this, I think. Mm. Yeah. She's great. Yeah. She was also in Creepshow 2. Oh, was she? Fans. Yeah, she was in the worst story in Creepshow 2. <laughs> Hitchhiker. Um, but she corrects Bond, who naturally assumes... She couldn't be training to be an astronaut, but she is. Mm-hmm. And she says she's on loan from NASA. Now, the, the shuttle's on loan from NASA. She's on loan from NASA. Are they, like, doing a tax loss thing or something? I think they must be. I think they must be. It's like it's like a football club when they, they sign someone and, and he's a bit shit, but they don't want to pay his wages. Yeah. Yeah, so, so get someone else. Get Everton, Everton to pay her wages. Get Britain Get Britain to pay her wages. Yeah. 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 Um, I'd like to phone up NASA now and see what we could get on, on loan. Well, um... I think, and also, would the, as an individual, I mean, would you have to do that thing with form a company that sounds like some kind of space agency? Or could you, as John Rain, just phone them up and say, I need a loan of, I don't know, three astronauts and a Sputnik. Or a robot. Or a, or, or a robot, a camp robot. I'd like a camp and, robot. And would they be able to loan you that? Like, for example, <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't phone up Jürgen Klopp and say, I need a loan of Mo Salah. And you'd say, what club are you? I said, I'm not, I'm just Sange. I'm just, I'm just wondering how that works. Or if I invented uh, Melchester Rovers, I know that's Royal Rovers. Right, yeah, if yeah. I made up an, a, a, a football club and 
had some letterheads made up. Mm. We could we could try it though. I think what we would, should. What would you call your space agency? Oh, I'd call it um, Rain Aerodynamics. Moonfinger. Moonfinger. It's on. It's on. It's yeah. bloody on. Moonfinger. Yeah. Also, I've always wondered if you, because I know you, because you work on TV and radio and everything, you're a millionaire. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, if you phoned up, like, I don't know, Sheffield Wednesday. Yes. Said, I'll give you 500, crown, uh, 500 quid for Bobby Porter, who plays at right back. Yeah. Uh, 500 grand, sorry. 500 grand. I was going to say 500 Yeah, you wouldn't get 500 quid. Uh, and um, I might say, okay, what club are you calling from? You say, no, no I try him in my house. Yeah, yeah. Would that happen? Because you could like have him doing your gardening and yeah, yeah. And there's going to be there's going to be some eccentric million. There's going to be a lotto winner mm. that would just want their favourite right back just to do you know just to be there. Yeah, answer answer the questions and wouldn't you probably wouldn't even like if you did hire your hero to hang about your house. You're not going to make him or her do the dishes or do you know what I mean do the high dusting. Uh-huh. You're just you're probably going to cook for them and it'd be a nice gig for them. Would you get bored though? I think the problem with footballers as well is is that beyond the football, hmm. I'm generalising spectacularly here, yeah. but uh, there's a reason for it. If you dedicate your life to being an athlete, there isn't a huge amount of space for other things. No. So, I mean, I was watching, I'd recorded, it was a, a Brian Clough interview hmm. that um, he did with uh, David Frost, and the guy is brilliant. He's so entertaining. He's clearly more than football. He's clearly a very interesting man. Yeah. But my God, if you, I mean, I'm a big football fan, but there's far too much talking around football because footballers aren't the best at talking. No. And the problem is is that there's only there's only a finite number of things you can say anyway. So why ask them those same questions? It's really, really, uh, I find it quite depressing. And I, I, it, I feel that like they're the PG tips chimps. Don't make them do that stuff because mm. it's not what they're trained to do. I don't want Kenny Douglas to make me an omelette. It's not what his strength is. No. So um, um, I wouldn't hire um, anyone from Sheffield Wednesday. No. Uh, whether or not I was a space agency or a football team, I still wouldn't take What if you combine the two and you wanted to put your favourite <laughs> right back in space? What, what, and Moon United. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a big game, we've got a big grudge match against Neptune FC. So we're wondering <laughs> if you can get your right back on low. <laughs> But even then, you'd have to do like some sort of uh, galactic Champions League where you'd have like, to play yeah, would. Swansea and Moon <laughs> FC. <laughs> would Swansea be Earth's representatives? Yeah. Well, and then would would it, would could a satellite be in the same league as a planet as well? Whoever wins the World Club Cup has to yeah. play Moon United. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, is it? Is there not like there, there, there must be at least one kids telly program where they've had to play a team of aliens. In fact, it's ringing a bell right now. Well, there now, was Space somewhere. Jam, but that was basketball, obviously. That was basketball, yeah. 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 Uh, Zeeb and the Jelly Men. Have you just made that up? No. What's Zeeb and the Jelly Men? It was a book I used to read as a kid. It was, do you remember the Smash? We're getting into everything except Moonraker, but it's fun. It were the Smash adverts. Yeah, with, the, with, with again, Camp Robots, yeah. Camp Robots. Yeah. Well, the little kid robot in that was called Zeeb. Was he? And they did a sit. I think it's, I think it was Cadbury who owned Smash at the time. Yeah. They did a series of kids books, and they were like Zeb. Zeb got a spinoff. Good on him. He got a spinoff. Yeah, and one of them was called Zeb and the Jellyman. Wow. But that was music. That wasn't for anyway. um, So so NASA have have loaned out um, Moonraker and Hollywoodhead. Yes. Yes. Yes, they have. And as part of her tour, she gives a Bond a go on the G-Force simulator. Oh, my God. That scene stayed with me for many, mm. many months. It was mm. horrible. He gets he gets permanently fixed in the vinegar strokes. Oh, it's, it, 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 it's really horrendous. It, oh, I yeah. mean, it was... I think it was the... Because I remember watching it, and I'm not brilliant with motion anyway. Mm. The thing's going round, and I'm actually doing it with my finger now. Right. And, um, and you're thinking, no, it's not going any faster than that. And then you see the kind of claw marks on his face and the way it's like sort of invisible fingers like the film The Entity yes isn't it where you see those finger marks on you see, uh, it, on it? You see yeah. a boob move oh you really do on Barbara but Hershey Barbara Hershey yeah. but this was all Moore's face and then I thought it's not going to be faster than that and it does and it does that four times mm. every time I think it's not going to be faster than that and it's actually quite distressing I remember watching the first time and being quite disturbed by it and more, more so than it's but it seemed less cartoony than a lot of the violence, or the obviously the you know the, the 
fantastical sequences you'd see in a Bond film. Yeah. It felt more real somehow. And I remember having nightmares about that for months after that. Oh. I'm and, sorry uh, to hear that. I'm sorry to bring that up again. Yeah. And, and, and weirdly, it was, it was only, how, well, it was nine. So it was only 30 years after that in an Addison Lee car on the way to the Sonny's that I saw a man make the same expression. Right. It was, it was his face was just, it was like with the, the severity of the climax. And that was, that was when I could achieve closure of course, 30 well, years later. I'm so pleased that happened for <laughs> yes. you. Yes. And this is before he turned into an ape. This is before he turned into, for, for, that, for two seconds, and then he returned. Um, it was, uh, but that, no, definitely, that simulator thing. And those, those are real, aren't they? I mean, the, yeah. um, I watched a film recently I can't remember what it was called, but it was it was actually... Was it Moonraker? It wasn't Moonraker. Oh, it wasn't, because right. I wasn't able to get my hands on Moonraker. Oh, yeah, but of this, course. This was a film, it was, they showed it at the Glasgow uh, Film Festival. Um, it was actually one of the last things I did before lockdown happened. And it was, a, it was actually a film about uh, an astronaut female um, uh, who gets onto the programme. And I think that's one of the scenes. She goes in one of the simulators. And I remember shuffling in my seat, thinking, I don't want to see that again. But they, mm. they didn't do the scene, but the point is, those things are real, aren't they? That's right. Yeah. 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 But Bond's able to use his wrist dart to shut it off. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a chicken switch you can press to stop it, but the the baddie Chang disables Chang. it. He does, doesn't he? Chang, who says nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know why he said nothing? Because his speaking voice was that of a camp robot. Was it? Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. all sorts of sense. He was, he was a robot. The, vo- the actor that played Chang voiced the second youngest Smash robot. Really? Yeah, true story. Wow, that's amazing. I didn't realise that at all. Yeah. You know lots of things. I'm glad we oh, had yeah. one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remarkably uh, little about Moonraker, but a lot about the periphery. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'll stick to the Moonraker bit. Now, this is how it's going to work. Yeah. <clears throat> so later that evening, Bond sneaks into Drax's office. Now here he's dressed like he's going to go proper out with John Travolta and the lads. <laughs> he looks like the head of the Disco Board of Governors. <laughs> he's got this like black shirt on with big collars and flares. Yeah. But he's got his 007 camera, and he's going to go. He goes in and, and looks around all of Drax's office and finds these blueprints for these. Glass files that are made in Venice, a place yes, called Venini right. Glass. Yes. And that Corinne, the sexy helicopter pilot who didn't pick you up. Yeah. She catches him, but she goes along with it and they make love. Yeah. Which is clearly a sign that you haven't won the Oscar. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Also as well, if, if you were like, so, I, mean, I mean, obviously he used this as a kind of a diversionary tactic that he said, oh, please don't tell him. I'll have lo- I'll make love to you. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if if you were a house burglar and you were as good looking and as charismatic as Roger Moore, mm. and that like, you broke into someone's house and you got caught, and you said, "Oh, mate, mate, please, I'll, mate, I'll pump you," and we'll say nothing more <laughs> about it. Is, is is that will that work, or does it have to be in the kind of high stakes, high intrigue world of of of, of borrowed bloody um, Space um, shuttles, shuttles, and uh, and uh, posh glass. I don't know. I tell I'm you what. Speculating here. I tell you what. We've just had comic relief, but for comic <laughs> relief next year, yes, I'd like you to burgle someone's house and try it. See what happens. See how far my charm gets me. Exactly, and I'll give money to charity for you to do it. <laughs> okay, right. You're and on. obviously, if we raise enough and comic relief aren't interested, we can use that to bail you out. Yes, or it could just be even like a the next version of um, uh, Impractical Jokers. Ah. Just me breaking into various houses and then using my, you know, not un- insubstantial charm to try and, uh, yeah, let's do it. Like Beatles about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> about at, a syphilis. You know. <laughs> at the last minute, you can come in dressed as a Jamaican traffic warden. Yeah. <laughs> say, you thought you were being burgled. In many ways, you were. Yes. Hello, Farmer Beetle here. Um, <laughs> no, that was him doing one of his links on You've Been Framed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hello, Farmer Beetle here. Here's a protracted uh, farming metaphor for some clips. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute easy money, that program. Very easy. I mean, to, to the point where they realised they didn't actually need a host. Yeah. That must yeah. have been a real fucking eureka moment. I know, I know, because Lisa <laughs> Riley did it for a good while. Yeah. Do you know what I like? Half rice, half chips. Here's a granny twatting her head off a, off a, off a parking meter. We don't need that anymore, Lisa. We're going to have yeah. Harry Hill being genuinely funny in voiceover. Yeah, probably doing it from home. 
probably absolutely doing it from home. Yeah. Almost literally phoning it in. Yeah. But uh, but we do love Harry Hill, so we don't mind. Absolutely. Yeah. But Beadle did that for years. Do you know what I did? Um, I actually, re- um, there's a clip on You've Been Framed, um, uh, which me and my wife, it's, it's, I think it's, I nearly defecated laughing at this. And it's really hard to explain why it's so funny, but it's quite a toothsome American dude, uh-huh. almost like an Osmond. Right. And he's clearly got a new car. And he's kind of showing it off to a neighbour or whatever, and he's wearing these kind of aviator shades. I think that's why it's so funny because he's so smug. Yeah. But it's that weird American seatbelt that kind of is on a track, and it kind of, it kind of. Do you know what I'm talking about? It kind of comes on a track, and then it, what, it hits him in the face, and it squashes his face a bit like the Moonraker, the the the, the simulator, the the, yeah. the the thing, squashes his face one way to, and takes his glasses off, and then it gets him coming back the other way. It's, it's really hard to explain why it's so funny. And, and we had it recorded on an old Skybox, but then we had to get the Skybox replaced. Oh, no. So that clip went away. And it's not on YouTube. If it is, I can't find it. Then You've Been Framed started following me on Twitter. Oh. And I, I direct messaged them and I said, look, <laughs> long, long shot here. And I, 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 I totally, uh, as much as I could, as much detail as I could, um, he looks. He looks like a young Carl Malden, and he's wearing he's wearing aviator shades, I think. And this seatbelt catches him both ways, and da 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 da. And bless them, they said, "Wow, we'll give it a go. Love your Twitter feed. We'll give it a go." And that was the last I heard from them. Fuckers. So, um, and I do, what I will do. This is really tragic. I will occasionally will record. Um, you've been framed, gold, off uh, on the off chance, on the off chance that uh, that clip might be there. This is very much your rosebud. This is very much my rosebud, and if I don't, you know, there could be the last thing I watch before I die, imagine. <laughs> you could die laughing, though. I could die laughing. I would have, I'd love to die watching that. That'd be a brilliant way to go. Unlike the man in the helicopter who's probably going to crash his helicopter while ejaculating. Uh, into Easter Island. Into yeah. Easter Island. And, and Christ knows, that's a tough crowd, the Easter Island statues. He's trying to get them to laugh. No. Oofed. Uh, so if anyone listening does know about that clip and does know what it is, and I'm sure that some of you are very, very good at finding stuff. Um, please I be, do. I would be amazed. Sanjeev out of his misery. I would be amazed and delighted. i tell you what, if you do find it, Sanjeev will happily give you five pounds. And I will fleet you <laughs> mid-Atlantic. <laughs> or in a branch of River Island, whatever. Yeah. No, actually, let's let's call it twenty-five quid. Oh no, don't be silly. No, twenty-five quid, hundred pounds, on a memory stick, (laughs) so I can have it forever. Oh, there you go then. There's a challenge for everybody. Yeah, because you know they're never going to find it. And if you could also include the clip, which is the other thing I can't find (laughs) on YouTube. Here we go. Which is my very very sorry. This is this is quite a long tangent, but it's worth telling. Go on. So, do you watch Come Down with Me? Sometimes, yes. Okay, you know the format then, right? Yes. Yes. This was, um, and this will speak to you. Because how old are you? I'm 43 nearly. Ah, right. Okay. Well, it, might, well, it will. It will speak to you. Uh-huh. Um, it was a celebrity come down with me. So, uh, and it was four people. The four people being Jenny Powell. Remember Jenny Powell? Yes. Her, very attractive and slightly adenoidal um, presenter. Um, who's what? I think she's a brilliant presenter. She still does stuff on the yeah. kind of uh, VH1 and whatever. Um, Anthea Redfern, who I was hoping you'd be old enough to remember, but you won't. But she was Bruce Forsyth's yes, original sidekick generation game. Yeah. Uh, Pat Sharp, perfect, perfect, and Michael Barrymore. Oh, speaks for itself, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think this is like the third night in, and they were at Anthea Redfern's house. And by this point, Michael Barrymore was trying to eat a microwave or something. He was just, you know, I mean, he was doing something off, wacky and off, off the wall. So wacky, uh, so wacky. Um, Pat Sharp. So this is the third night in, and I got the impression that before this week, Pat Sharp had never had an alcoholic drink in his life, right? Because he just seemed like like a 13-year-old at a wedding that had been mind-sweeping people's drinks. And he's just sort of sitting there kind of glowing and grinning, but not really speaking, right? Uh Just sitting there, right? And so you've kind of got the only two lucid ones are Auntie Redfern, who's hosting, and Jenny Powell, who's sitting opposite her. Uh So Jenny Powell, making conversation, says, oh, Auntie, this is is lovely food, um, and this is a lovely house. How long have you been here? And um, she she said, oh, we've been here for a a couple of years. And she said, oh, I I noticed it's it's gated, so did you specifically, and, and, and then she said, um, well, actually, it's actually quite distressing. Uh, and, and Jenny Powell said, no, it's fine, it's fine. She said, no, no, it actually helps to talk about it. She said, <clears throat> the last house that we lived in, I was um, a few years ago, I was in there uh, on Saturday night um, watching telly with my husband, Saturday nights watching telly, 
and these these burglars came in. They broke in while we were there, and uh, they uh, they'd managed to get a phone wire, a cable, and they tied my husband to a chair. And they knew we had a safe. I don't know how they knew, but they knew we had a safe. And they said to me, "If your husband doesn't tell us where the safe is, we're going to shoot his feet off." Oh my God. Okay? And she's getting visibly upset as she tells the story. Jesus Christ. So she's sitting telling the story, and Jenny Powell's opposite her, Pat Sharp's to her right, okay? Mm-hmm. And Pat Sharp, he's not said anything at this point, he's just glowing and grinning. His hand, he, he puts his hand on Anthea Redfern's hand and uh-huh. says, I'm really sorry, Anthea. I don't have any potatoes. <laughs> and his timing was fucking beautiful. He, he clearly didn't know what was going on, but his timing was beautiful. <laughs> And she just kind of goes, right, well, if Pat's in that potato, I better get some potatoes, aren't I? And that moment, I again, I can't find it on YouTube. So if you can find that as well, put it on the same memory stick, that's 100 quid well spent from my from my point of view. When they went to Pat's house, was it the fun house? Oh, do you know what? I need to, I somehow need to find the box set, don't I? Where that whole week, because you want to see Barrymore's house as well, don't you? Yeah. And well, no, I, well, I saw well, the documentary we recently. Well, so. we won't, obviously we won't mention. Well, that's it. Did he, I mean, did they, oh, I don't even want to, right, yeah. But <clears> it's <throat> probably worth having a look at that week of Come Down With Me. And maybe that's why they can't repeat it. Maybe because yeah. you're in Barrymore's house and it's just a bit distasteful mm. yeah, because there are living relatives and da-da-da. I don't know. So we'll never know what happened to her husband's feet. We'll never know. I because of Pat Sharp's potatoes. It's because of Pat Sharp's potatoes. It, honestly, it's probably one of those things where it's funnier. It's, it, it's funnier <laughs> in my memory than it actually was. But honestly, he does. He gets a hand and says, "I'm really sorry. I don't have any potatoes." In the middle of a story, it's brilliant. It is brilliant. Oh dear. <laughs> and that's end of part one of this episode of Smirchpod. We'll be back later in the week with part two. So please stick around. But in the meantime, why not like, subscribe, review, enjoy, share, tell everybody you like. And, you know, why not even buy Thunderbook? Hey, why not? See you next time. you're a fan of all things geeky you're going to love Concessions a brand new podcast by comedian Matt Hyten and myself Beck Hill 
where we interview your favourite cult heroes at Comic-Cons all across the world. We've got stars from Star Wars, Harry Potter, The Walking Dead and more. Make sure you tune in soon to Con Sessions. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.